0: Welcome to Heart Health Radio with Board Certified Cardiologist and Internal Medicine Specialist, Dr. Franklin Weefold. Heart Health Radio. Heart Health Radio. Oh, oh, oh. HeartHealthRadio.com. Heart Health Radio. Heart Health Radio is meant for information purposes only. Before taking any action, talk to your doctor.
1: This is Heart Health Radio on the Heart Health Radio Network. I'm Dave Alexander. He is Dr. Franklin Weefold.
2: It's cold out there.
1: Yeah, it is. It I'm is. cold. Oh, I'm so sorry.
2: Well, it's, I can do. it's I, not good to be you want, cold. You
1: want to take my jacket?
2: You know that's why they call them colds? What? Because they used to think that they happened because of the cold weather. Sure. But you know why they really happen?
1: I don't know why they happen. Because
2: when it's cold, you gather inside. Yeah. And you spread germs. So if you have a cold in the summer, shouldn't it be called a warm
1: I don't know. Not
2: warm, sure. but warm. Warm. Yeah, because you're outside playing basketball or sports and you know the contact gives you the cold. I, I don't know. know, I'm being silly. I but don't know honestly, about you. people used to think that if you got cold, it weakened your immune system. Sure. But you know the Navy studied that. Yeah. They took a bunch of squids or Navy people yeah. and submerged them in icy water and then looked to see if they got sick. Okay. And the answer was they didn't.
1: Up to their shoulders, though. Like up to their neck. I not, don't
2: know. Not You're completely Up, to, up submerged. to your neck in a cold. <laughs> All right. But anyway, just so you know, it it's the reason why they call them colds.
1: I would appreciate it if you wouldn't mention germs for the rest of the show.
2: What do you mean? You know, it's interesting. People <laughs> don't don't like that term anymore. Germs? Germ.
1: Yeah. I, I think it's what, from
2: germ warfare.
1: I think oh, whatever, whatever could it be it made people not want to talk about germs
2: i don't know germs are good you know why why because if you're exposed to germs you become immune and that immunity crosses over to other germs which is what we'll talk about in terms of super immunity later on all right let's get on to omicron
1: there is a new they call it a variant it's a mutant. Omicron, right. And they're You're saying- You're not allowed
2: to use the word mutant either. That's well, not they're, politically they're, correct.
1: They're, it, in the stories, it's in multiple mutations yeah. with this one. 32. Are you very afraid?
2: Uh, no. Um, I am concerned that we're going to see another spike right. in uh, infections. But sure, that we're going to see another spike in hospitalizations and deaths. That doesn't mean, no, that's not going to happen, but it, there's no evidence that that's the case. And in fact, transmissibility does not correlate necessarily with morbidity and mortality. So what's the story here? Apparently, there was uh, a, one person, again, who uh, had an autoimmune disease and got COVID, the COVID variant, and it right. stayed in their body for yeah. a month. Okay. And when viruses reproduce, they naturally mutate. Okay, because there's error. There are errors in the DNA, RNA machinery.
3: Yeah.
2: So they create mutations. And the reason why we don't mutate is because we don't have as many of the reproductions as a virus does. Okay. I mean, what did Carl Sagan say? Billions and billions. Yeah. These are teeny weeny tiny particles. And there are billions and billions of them reproducing right. uh, every whatever minute or so. And so there's bound to be mutations. And some of these mutations are bad. They make the virus not very uh, strong. But some of them render the virus uh, more potent. Right. Well, this particular variant, Omicron, uh, has 32 different mutations from the original SARS-CoV-2.
3: Okay.
2: And... You know, for me, it just seems kind of weird. I would think that that many mutations would make that spike protein so weird that it can't bind to the ACE protein, which is what happens in our nose and in our lungs. The ACE inhibitor angiotensin converting enzyme, uh, I'm sorry, receptor, is what it binds to. You would think, you know, 32 mistakes would make it less potent, but it made it more potent.
1: Every time we hear mutation, yeah. though, yeah. we think this is it. Yeah. It's going to wipe well, us all uh, out. And that's
2: why most colds go away, because the viruses have mutated to a benign form. And quite frankly, I thought that was going to happen yeah. with SARS-CoV-2, but it didn't. It was the opposite. Yeah. Now, how many mutations are out there that did become benign? Probably many, many more right. than the ones that became more potent. But I still can't figure out, what. It, why'd they name it Omicron?
1: I do. I know. You know. Here's the deal. Remember when we, when we were calling them by the geography, and some people wanted to call the original the Hunan virus or yeah. the Chinese SARS or whatever. And then the WHO, the World Health Organization, said, no, 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 that, that's racist. Let's not do that. We're not going to call it the Indian variant.
2: The political variant. We're going to call it politically up, correct variant. So they PC started variant.
1: naming them for the Greek alphabet. Now here's the thing: if you were a uh, a fraternity member, okay, <laughs> you had to memorize the the Greek alphabet.
2: I never was in a frat. Were you in a frat?
1: No, for six hours. Yeah, long story. So <laughs> anyway, you got
2: two drunk and they threw you out.
1: Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Anyway. So you go along in the alphabet and you get to mu mu
3: Mur.
1: and then is n-u, that what it is? nu nu which is new and the WHO claims that listen we didn't want to call it the new because it's too similar to the new to the word in English yeah, new The next one up after new is z x i which happens it's to be B. The head of the Chinese Communist Party. Right. And they skipped over that Oh, uh, yeah. Conveniently skipped it's, over
2: it. Omicron.
1: I just think it's amazing. Yeah. They are so scared of China that they did this.
3: Yeah. Did you I mean, know-
1: if, if the next letter was Trump, do you really think they would have skipped it?
2: Well, I think that we're going to have to have a COVID fraternity. What a COVID fraternity, Alpha Alpha Delta Omicron, you know, and they could all hang around and pretend they're scientists (laughs) studying the COVID virus, and then on Saturday nights get drunk (laughs) as all get out.
1: A specific fraternity for
2: out for COVID, Alpha Delta Delta. Delta Omicron.
1: Okay, all right. Did you know
2: no fraternities have Omicron in them? It's I didn't know know that. What have you heard of one? You know, beta, Beta Gamma Delta. Tap a you know, keg a day? Yeah. Tap a yeah. keg. Oh, no, I get it.
1: <laughs> All right. So we've cut off uh, the, the top of the hour news indicated that from South Africa and from the other yeah. countries uh, in because
2: Africa. Because people need to know what's going on. They, There's a lot of, I think, misinformation.
1: They've cut off. We've cut off air travel with them, which I is I think similar. that's smart okay.
2: until we know. I mean, it is more transmissible. What does that mean? Transmissibility simply means that it goes from... One person to the other mm-hmm. more easily. So, where you had to be, you know, three feet apart and, you know, uh, 15 minutes of contact in order to have a high uh, level of transmissibility. That's where they got the six feet from. Right. Yeah, three feet, 15, three and 15, three feet together, 15 minutes. And so they said, well, let's double that.
3: Okay. And the
2: reason why is you just imagine as the, As the, um, you know, particles of mucus go forward, they spread out in a sphere. Yes. So it's by the square of it. Yeah. And so if you're twice as far away, you are many, many more times uh, less likely to get a particle on you. Anyway. Yeah. So what this means is, is that it'll, it'll at six feet and five minutes. It'll get you infected. That's what it means, it, transmissibility. Now, what are we really worried about
4: mm.
2: is morbidity yeah. and mortality. Yeah. So morbidity, we'll just use that as um, a buzzword for hospitalization. So you get so sick yeah. that you can't do it at home. And you got to go to the hospital, get some oxygen.
3: Right.
2: Uh, maybe get one of those uh, BiPAP masks, which is a mask that blows air into your lungs to keep your oxygen higher. Yeah. God forbid you're on a ventilator. Right. Um, and then obviously, mortality is death. We don't know yet. Okay. So that's one of the things. Two, two things. One thing we know
4: mm-hmm.
2: is that it's more transmissible. So maybe eight feet for five minutes or something like that, you can, you can get it and then the other thing we know is or we don't know I'm sorry is that we don't know if it's going to be more dangerous in terms right. of hospitalizations right but you know you think about it the more cases that we have right. the more hospitalizations in terms of number so what does this mean oh and the other big issue that i think is scaring people is is the vac- are the vaccines we have now going to be effective against this 32 mutant variability. And we don't know that either. So what are they studying? They're not studying necessarily the vaccine people. They're going whole hog on studying the booster people and whether the booster people, that is to say three vaccine people, you've gotten your two regular shots and your booster, whether they're going to be immune. Um, This is a tough question and it bodes poorly for the future because this mean we're going to have this forever. You know, And it's scary. That, to me, is scary. Because we've lost something. We've lost a yeah. a carefree, happy-go-lucky life
3: mm-hmm.
2: where we can go see our friends. We can walk. I mean, I went to Nordstrom's in uh, Charlotte yeah. yesterday Good. for a shopping experience. It wasn't that bad. Okay. Everybody was wearing masks except for those who were defiant. Um, I almost <laughs> got killed in the parking lot.
3: Really? Yeah.
2: This New Yorker um, was way <laughs> down the end of the line, okay? Yeah. I mean, this was 10 minutes looking for a parking place. And so I pulled in, a car pulled out, Yeah, and I just zipped right in. And next thing I know, I'm getting ready. <laughs> you know, my electric car has to tone down, and I have to turn off all these switches and stuff. Rap on my window. Really? The guy's not wearing a mask. So I got my iPhone ready, and I started videoing because I thought this is going to be trouble. Oh, man. And the guy, I, he says, roll out your window. And I says, you're getting out of this space. This is mine. I just paused for a second. I said, I'm going to take this the calm way. Okay, this is hell for <laughs> now. We're going to talk about this, too, about firefighter. The firefighter taught me this. Yeah. To calm down, take a, I, take a big deep breath. Yeah. And I rolled up my window. I got out of my car holding my iPhone up on video. Yes. And he said, said, this is my space. And I said, excuse me? And he said, yeah, I was waiting for it for five minutes. I said, I didn't see. He says, yes, you did. You did this on purpose. And so I said, I'm not moving. And he said, yes, you are. I looked at him. And I said, I got my phone on. Yeah. There are security cameras everywhere. Yeah. Your wife is in your car, embarrassed as all get out. (laughs) What are you going to do to make me move?
1: Oh, my gosh. I
2: said, are you going to hit me? Are you going to shoot me? Are you going to grab me and throw me on the ground? Because all three of those options means you go to jail. The other option is you get back in your car and drive away. Yeah. And he looked at me, shocked that I would approach this in a calm, you know, calculating manner. And he turned around got in his car and drove away. (laughs) Oh, man. Now, did my blood pressure go up a little bit? I think so.
1: What's the condition of your car right now? What is mean? it in good shape? Did somebody key you? I was worried you, about that. You actually. were worried about that. But
2: this guy was in a Lexus. You know, oh, okay. he was dressed. Not, and it was Nordstrom's, okay? Yeah. I don't know if you know the crowd that shops at Nordstrom. Is it upper class? Uh, no, I would, than I would say it's Hoity Toity.
1: Hoity Toity. Well, I wouldn't yeah. be there. They
2: though. had a name at Nordstrom's for the Hoity Toity. <laughs> All but right. it was good. And you know, the prices aren't that bad. Okay. Yeah. I'll
1: tell you what, on today's show, we're going to talk about a vaccine for Alzheimer's. Yeah. You're gonna, never going to believe where you, where you put it. It's coming. I think
2: this is another great tribute to American uh, uh, medicine and yeah. the uh, researchers that we have.
1: Very good. And a potential breakthrough for type 1 diabetes. It's more
2: than a breakthrough.
1: You think it's a cure?
2: It has been shown to cure this one guy. Okay. And I think that this is a great thing.
1: All right. That's coming up on this show. This is Heart Health Radio on the Heart Health Radio Network. Listen to Heart Health Radio on Apple Podcasts or at hearthealthradio.com with all the hot hits from the 70s, including Shame. Who are we shaming today?
2: Uh, we're shaming a judge uh judge Dan Polster. Yeah. And and this is my take on the opioid crisis. It's horrible. It's terrible. Yeah. Um, we are in the midst of an epidemic of epic proportions. Yeah. You know, we've lost 500,000 people in the last 10 years to over, opioid overdoses. Well, he has claimed that CVS, Walgreens and Walmart are responsible. Okay. So they prescribed the prescriptions that doctors wrote and they the pharmacists there uh, filled them. Now most of the pharmacies that really went whole hog on this were yeah. I'm sorry to say if you're a mom and pop it was the mom and pops. Yeah. So it was it was limited say in West Virginia. There were two pharmacies in West Virginia that basically all they did was fill opioid prescriptions. Wow. But here's my take on this, and you could call me a crazy right-winger or whatever, but I believe in something called personal responsibility. And by that I mean, are we going to blame anybody in this? I think there's uh, the blame to be taken by the addict, him Mm -hmm. or herself. Mm -hmm. And, you know, everybody wants to say that the poor addict is not responsible. They had a disease— And the first person to blame is the doctor. Yeah. Because the doctor was a a pill pusher, gave them too many prescriptions. Now, were there doctors who were pill pushers? Right. Yes. It's like saying that there are bad cops. Does that mean that cops are responsible for all the crimes that a few bad cops do? No. Now, let me ask you a question What percentage of legally written prescriptions for people who have legitimate uh, medical needs for opioids are overdoses. Of the overdoses, how many came from legitimate prescriptions? I don't know. Less than 1%. Really? So 80% of the overdoses today are from heroin and fentanyl. And those are illegally used drugs by drug addicts and, believe it or not, It's amazing they don't talk about the recreational use of heroin and fentanyl. These are people who live normal jobs, who have normal lives, even families, and every now and then they go out and hit themselves with heroin and fentanyl. What's the problem? Oh, I'm sorry. And 19% are from diverted prescriptions. And by that, I mean people who get Percocet. That's the number one. And then they sell it. That's dropping. And you know why?
4: Because you can't get it.
2: No, you can get them fentanyl is so cheap oh oh my god the manufacturer of fentanyl is a very i'm not going to tell it online because then i'll be responsible it's a
4: simple
3: thing it's
2: a simple thing it's simpler than creating meth from Sudafed. and you know you can't get Sudafed without showing your license now right right. that actually worked did you know that i didn't know that actually worked it cut down on meth but the point i'm trying to make is that there has to be a level of personal responsibility. I know somebody who decided one day they were going to snort a Percocet for fun. Hmm. It was pure fentanyl. Uh-huh. And it was, you know, smashed into a tablet, pressed into a tablet, and even had the uh, little indentations that, you know, medicines have. You ever looked at your medicine and there's yeah. like a yeah, letter yeah, yeah. or something like that? They crushed it and snorted it and dropped over dead. Now, luckily, they were revived. Um, She had kidney failure, liver failure, you name it, failure. So can you blame McDonald's for your heart attack? I mean, think about it. No. Is the food (laughs) addictive? Yes, it is.
1: Delicious. The French fries? Oh Wow. Yeah.
2: And so come on now.
1: All right. Shorty is on line one. Hi, Shorty. How you doing?
5: Hey,
4: I'm doing good.
5: Good.
2: You look good the last time I saw you. You look marvelous.
5: Oh thank you. Now let's talk about me. Okay? Yeah yeah um, I went to uh, radiation Wednesday.
4: Mm-hmm.
5: Everything is clear. Come back in five months.
4: Are you
2: kidding me? That's what he said. That is oh, that's so fun. awesome. For those of you who don't know, Shorty's my patient and she's got a pacemaker and has some other heart issues, but she had a lump in her neck. And originally, I thought that was something from the neck, but it came from her lung. Right. So she's had uh, cancer surgery, and then uh, you had chemo, and now you're having something really cool, right? Are you still doing immunotherapy? Yes, I am. Yeah. So what that's trying to do is make her own immune system kill off the cancer, and then she's getting radiation therapy. And the way radiation therapy works, uh, you think about it, it sounds kind of crazy. Yeah. You know, because Chernobyl causes cancer. Well, what they do is they focus a beam of gamma rays, which are the radiation, very high, powerful, same as light waves, but just in a different spectrum. And the cancer cells are dividing more quickly. So what you're trying to do is destroy the DNA of the dividing cancer cells while leaving the good cells alone alone. But what happens? Did you get the the radiation therapy tan? Is your skin all dark? Um, Doctor Anderson yeah. said that yeah. um, this would probably last. Yeah. Um, well, they cone um, it down. What does that mean? They they oh, yeah. get lead. Yeah. Yeah. Every two weeks now. Yeah. And he wants to double the
5: um the medicine, and maybe I can come every three weeks, and then keep going to him. Yeah. maybe once a month or
2: you are a walking, talking miracle of modern medicine. Isn't that great? Thank you. Yeah, they even make something called a gamma knife now. Have you heard of that?
4: No.
3: Yeah.
2: So it's really concentrated. It's a really concentrated beam of radiation, and it's they call it a knife because if you have a tumor in a certain part of your skull, I mean yes. brain. Yes. They can do CTs and MRIs and create a map. And then take this machine that makes a little, it's like a Star Trek, you sure. know, the uh, photon, not the photon, poor torpedo, it was the phaser. Yeah. And yeah. go right in there and and knife out the tumor. So, but Shorty, when you, when you uh, got started with the radiation, did they have to set you up like to figure out exactly where and put um, uh, covers on, on you? you? Yeah. 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 So you had it. I'm so proud of you. Yes, yes, we are. It's just awesome. All right. Take care, Shorty. Love you.
1: I do like the fact that you You you, – all right. Thank you, Shorty. Dr. Weefald asks me, you know what a gamma knife is? Well, sure. I mean, last weekend I was operating a gamma
2: knife. I was – I'm going to talk about my trip to Charlotte (laughs) again. I'm driving down 85, (laughs) and there's a big – Billboard.
1: It's an advertisement for Gamma Knife. We have the knife? Gamma Knife. Gamma Knife.
2: Okay. So you should know if you I drive should. to Charlotte.
1: Apparently I should. Yeah. Apparently I should. All right. We're going to pick up with Linda and Carrie in just a moment. We also expect to hear from Rose Hoban from North Carolina Rose Health Rose is here. News. Uh, and this will be a good show. I hope you could just stay around and listen to us. This is the Heart Health Radio Network.
0: Now back to heart health. Have a question for Dr. Weefald? Call 919-860-9783.
1: Get better, stay healthy, and spot medical misinformation
0: by listening to
1: this radio show and maybe even calling up. Linda in Carrie, thank you very much for calling. I'm having that weird thing where I can't push the button again. Oh, hi, Linda. How are you?
5: I'm fine.
1: Good. What's going on?
5: Um, I need some advice. Um, I have been driving this elderly woman to doctor's appointments and other appointments.
3: Good
2: for you.
5: Because she, she can't drive. Yes. And um, she contacted, she had COVID. Okay. She's in the hospital twice with it. Oh, my gosh. Now, now she's home. And um, um, she tested me last night and asked whether I would feel safe driving her to appointments now. Mm-hmm. She's been home for about two weeks. Is it safe for me to have her in my car and drive her to appointments?
2: Okay, let me tell you what I would say. Um, with COVID, nothing is 100% safe. But let me ask you the most important question. Are you vaccinated yourself?
5: Yes, I am. Good. I've had everything, including the flu shot.
2: Okay, and you got the booster?
4: Yes.
2: Okay, so I think that I'll give you percentages. How does that sound?
4: Yeah. Um, okay. I
2: think it's about 98% that you will not catch COVID from her. Um, I think that, to me, the biggest question for this situation would be, would you give her COVID? you, know, you understand no, what really? I'm saying? Yeah. And yeah. so, uh, okay, what would I do if I were you? Okay. And I, uh, what I'm trying to say here is very careful. Because if someone were listening and they did a similar thing and got COVID and died, they would say, well, Dr. Weefald said, and so what I'm giving you are percentages. I would think that if you wore a mask in the car and she wore a mask in the car and she sat in the back seat, okay? Now, I know that you might think that's mean because, you know, I want her to feel good sitting next to me. We can chat. But I think what you're doing— is God's work. You are being a good neighbor and you're showing the love of uh, other people, which, you know, Jesus asked us to do. And I think that the chances that you would pass COVID to her or she would pass COVID to you are very small. And I think there's a 98% chance that this won't happen. Um, If I were you and I had the time to do what you're doing, I would keep doing it. But nothing is 100%. But the fact that you are triple – I like to call it triple vaccinated, okay? The fact you're triple vaccinated, you've had the flu shot, uh, you're going to wear a mask, and um, you're going to have a very positive and warm feeling. And why does that matter? Because stress makes your immune system less active. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, think about it. When people get sick, the only time I've gotten sick in the last 10 years is when I had a real bad situation um, with my mental health. And I got sick. I mean, I got the flu, influenza, and even though I had been vaccinated, and I got all sorts of viral illnesses. So here's what I'm going to say, and I'm going to say it carefully. Um, If you wear a mask and you're happy and feeling the love of Jesus in your heart, Mm
3: -hmm.
2: and you are doing what you think is right, and she wears a mask, and you sit, and she sits in the back seat, um, I think the chance that you're going to pass it on between each other is extremely small. Yeah. And so if I were you, I would do it.
5: Okay. With uh, her sitting in the back seat is a little bit, isn't so great because she has a hard time. She uses a walker. Uh-huh. He has a very hard time. What kind of car do you have? I have a Honda Civic.
2: Yeah, it's a small car. Okay, so then if you have her sit in the front seat, and it is true when I hauled my dad around,
3: yeah,
2: um, I had a nice car, Ford Flex, and you know a big mm-hmm. big back seat. It was so much harder to get him out of the back seat sure. than the front seat. Okay, so sit in the front seat, maybe that increased the risk uh, greater. But like I said, yeah. for you, uh, the risk is even smaller. I think the risk that you are now an asymptomatic carrier and passing it on to her is extremely small. Um, But I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you, if you do what you do and you're happy um, and it gives you warmth in your heart, um, that's more important to me than worrying about COVID because it overrides it, right? Yeah.
5: But one more little question. Yeah. Yeah. being the fact that she had COVID, doesn't that mean that she has some natural immunity? Yeah, and
2: I believe in natural immunity, but there are cases, and again, I'm, I'm saying this not to scare you, but there are cases in very elderly people uh, who are sick, mm-hmm. who have been triple vaccinated and have had COVID and have gotten it again, and I suppose there is someone out there who has actually died this way. Um, the, they think the Omicron variant came from somebody who was chronically ill with an autoimmune disease and the COVID just brewed like uh, yeast in a beer bottle yeah. or beer vat. Yeah. So, I, you know, live. Uh, and I'm going to use the term if I were you, not what you okay. should do based on what I'm telling you. I would just say if I were you, I would be happy and it would make my day. To take her uh, to her doctor's appointments, and right. I would not feel worried. I wouldn't um, about transmissibility in this situation. Now, let's find out what Omicron does. Omicron, <laughs> Omicron, yeah. Omicron does. Yeah. Uh, and if it evades uh, our immunity, then that's a whole different story.
4: Right. Yeah.
2: But God bless you for doing that. And I think you know if we had more of this kindness and generosity and warmth of spirit the world would be a better place you're making the world a better place did you know that
5: <laughs> no not really yes you are oh, you are yes you, you are, are
2: making Good. the world a better place you know why there are going to be people out there going she's taking elderly people to their right. doctor's appointments i'm going to do that too right it's called pay it forward thank you linda pat yourself on the back
5: I also hope that when I get to be that age and need rides that I'll be able to get rides.
2: Right. Well, I tell you what, uh <laughs> I'll come. We'll g- I'll come get you. Thank you, Linda. And I have a fancy car too. <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> oh,
1: okay. Linda, he says that like like he's not going to be in the senior citizens clientele. Yeah, that's pretty true. Soon, you know.
4: It's not like Well, I'm
2: gonna I'm gonna get in my wheelchair and hitchhike. That's exactly right. And I bet you people will stop. I, you do it in front of a church and you'll definitely get a ride. Thank you, Linda.
5: Okay.
2: All right. Take care. Thank you. Bye. Yeah.
1: One day, one day, I'll come I'll come visit you in the home, Dr. N- n- Weefall. N- no. I will I will do that for you. Larry and Raleigh. Hi, welcome to the show. How are you doing?
6: Hey, how
2: are you all doing? This? Good. Good.
6: Uh just a quick uh
2: Take your time. My
6: mother and father, who are 85 and 84, respectively, were vaccinated in March, April when uh, mm-hmm. uh, the vaccine was released. They both got Moderna. Yes, right. Um, and unfortunately, uh, they uh, were tested, were given an antibody test a couple of weeks ago, and had no antibodies left from their original vaccinations. Is that normal, or are we seeing, or is, is that fairly common practice and the reason for the call for the booster
2: shot? Yeah, that that is an unfortunate but rare uh, situation. And I think that you'll see um, CVS and maybe others offering free antibody tests. Um, I would not base getting a booster on whether your antibodies are there or not. I would get the booster uh, anyway. Hmm. Now, does this mean they're not immune? Let me tell you about antibodies and something I think nobody's telling you about is that they can disappear. That doesn't mean they're not there. It means that the levels are lower than what the limits of the test will detect. But immunity is also T cells, okay? So B cells make antibodies, and the antibodies are the first line of defense in most people, some not, and they attach to the foreign thing, and then they recruit killer cells, the T-cells, the white blood cells, to finish off the job. There are things called natural killer cells that roam the body. They're like um, the guardian angels in (laughs) New York City subways, okay, and they strike first. So I wouldn't panic. I would definitely get the uh, booster for your uh, uh, parents. And um, I would just go about your business. Uh, They could have natural immunity from their T cells. And the other thing is, even though your antibody levels are low, um, when the virus hits, the B cells go into overdrive. Mm -hmm. They have memory. And so there are B cells lurking in their system that will immediately produce the antibodies that they had before. So everybody's different. Um, Some people maintain high levels of antibodies. So, for example, if you got the measles vaccine, I'll bet you that you have measles uh, antibodies floating around in your blood, but you could not. Um, They could be quiescent is the term that we call. And so, you know, I I would just go about your business, get them uh, the booster shot, and uh, not panic. And don't worry.
6: Well, I will get the uh, vaccination at the appropriate time. Unfortunately, I had to uh, use the monoclonal antibody therapy uh-huh. uh, because I myself contracted COVID.
4: Uh-huh. Now, that is
6: some amazing stuff. I'm not sure. I'm sure you've spoken of it. I Yeah. Although I've called most every show, I'm sure I missed a moment when you were discussing that. So.
1: Um, I'm glad you listen. Oil. Glad you listen. Yeah, he's, he's spoken, doctor has spoken about monoclonal well, I antibodies. Mean, what, is,
2: what are monoclonal antibodies? They're immediate immunity. Okay. Yeah. So these are human antibodies formed against the spike protein, and there's two of them together in a combo cocktail. Yeah. I hate that word cocktail. Anyway, um, it's immuni- immediate immunity. And what I don't understand is mm. why they didn't just make enough. And have us inject ourselves. Because, you know, they used to give it only by infusion. Yes. You can get a subcutaneous injection now. They give it four shots. So yeah, no IV,
1: involved. now just a yeah, shot.
2: now you can get it as a subcutaneous injection. Now, my idea was to hand these pens out yeah. to the entire population of the United States yeah. and have us inject ourselves. I take a monoclonal um, medicine Every two weeks, it's called Repatha, and it lowers my cholesterol, and the, it works because you, I mean you don't have to have an infusion; mm-hmm. the antibodies are absorbed from the area under the skin, and I, you know fat tissue is really vascular. Yeah, and so I got a big pot belly now, and I inject it in there, and it gets in. So I think Regeneron is great. Now the question is, why can't they just make a quick antibody cocktail? against the Omicron. And you can do it. You can find out which antibodies are there. They can synthesize that. And with the mechanisms of production of the Regeneron, yeah. they could just quickly turn over in a couple of days and start making the other one. You know why they won't do it?
3: Mm.
2: FDA won't approve it. Yeah, It's like, you know, if you take Moderna, that's just a, a chemical sequence, okay? So if they could find out, and they already have, what the chemical sequence for making the Omicron um, spike protein. Right. They could switch that over in a heartbeat. Yes. But the FDA won't approve it. And I think that's ridiculous. I mean, think about it. The flu vaccines are different every year. Yeah. Does the FDA require a 10,000-person trial before they approve the new flu vaccine? No, they don't. Yeah. So I don't know what this mess is all about. I think everybody's afraid of the political ramifications if something goes wrong. And right. I tell you, I, I would get the new Omicron, Moderna, in a heartbeat.
1: Okay. We'll talk more about this, but we'll also talk about anything you want to. 919-860-9783. Vaccine for Alzheimer's and potential cure for type 1 diabetes coming up next on heart health radio. Well,
0: You
6: know you make me wanna so kick my heels up and throw my hands up and throw my back. And
1: this is Heart Health Radio. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts or at hearthealthradio.com or in even better, just listen on the radio, which is what you're doing now. Just keep doing what you're doing. So we're shouting out the people who've come up with something really cool, the vaccine for Alzheimer's.
2: Yeah. I think that what we're going to see in the future are all sorts of medicines like this. Mm -hmm. So what is it? Um, They're trying to destroy the proteins that mess up your brain. Okay. So what this is is you develop an antibody immune thing. Yeah. That binds to the proteins that are laid down in your brain that cause, or we think cause, we don't know for sure, but right. they're there. So the proteins can't congregate. Right. Okay? And it uh, looks like the preliminary data uh, are very good in terms of mm-hmm. reducing the amount of, of tau, T A U, another Greek letter. Right. Um, and so, you know, we're. It, it, it is a, a bode of goodwill for the future that we may be able to conquer this. And I think that if, if you had a family member with Alzheimer's. Oh, gosh, yes. It is a, a traumatic experience until you become to realize it's not them talking. Yeah, that's right. It's the tau protein messing up their brain. My mom had it for eight years. Right. And I'm not sure whether she had true Alzheimer's because you can only tell by an autopsy. Or whether she had multi-infarct dementia because she had AFib. But it was the same, you know, spiel. And uh, The 48-Hour Day, I recommend everybody to read it. Um, it's about caring for a loved one right. with Alzheimer's, advanced Alzheimer. And <clears throat> so let's hope and pray this works. And I uh, COVID, I mean, uh, cheers and kudos. And I, I wanted to say kudos and the, the C word came out as COVID. Terrible, isn't you know? <laughs> it? Um, <laughs> kudos to these people. The other person I want to shout out today is a guy named Brian Shelton Yeah. and a guy named Dr. Melton. Shelton and Melton. Really? Melton's son, Dr. Melton's son, he's a Havid. Yeah. Now Of course, now he's a billionaire because he's got a company. But his six-month-old son, six mm-hmm. months got diabetes. And his wife and he struggled and struggled. And one day... Um, over the insulin and, you know, can you imagine, you know, trying, uh, puncturing a baby's finger? Sure. I mean, just the trauma that is for the parents and the baby. Yeah. And she looked at him because he was a scientist and said, listen, with all you put me through, <laughs> you better cure diabetes. Wow. And he did 20 years later. So what, what they've done, and Brian Shelton is the first patient, and his diabetes is cured. Yeah. He walked out of the hospital after he got his stem cell transplant um, and went and had uh, something he wasn't supposed to have. And I don't know what it was. They didn't say there's a bowl of ice cream or anything. And no, he I checked would've. the sugar yeah, afterwards, yeah, yeah. and guess what it was? Yeah. Normal. So, how does this work? Um, you take a, a stem cell, and I'm going to warn you out there if, if you have um, qualms about using embryonic tissue. Right. And this is from embryonic tissue, he developed it. Um, they take these. Pluripotent, what does that mean? It means these cells that can turn into everything. And for 20 years, they researched various chemicals, various protein additives, and they would get closer and closer to a pancreatic islet cell. Those are the little tiny islands of cells in your pancreas that produce insulin in response to levels of blood sugar. And that's type 1 diabetics. I should have said this. It's not the diabetic that gets it when they're 50 because they're overweight and genetically predisposed. They have insulin.
1: All right, everybody stop looking at me now. Yeah,
2: okay. Okay, go ahead. And then you don't have to be overweight. You can be partially (laughs) overweight. I don't know. But anyway, these are type 1s. These are the ones they used to call juvenile diabetes. Right. Now you can get it when you're 20s and 30s, previously unrecognized uh, as as a big thing. But anyway, so what they're doing is turning these embryonic stem cells, into pancreatic islet cells. And there's like 50 steps. You add this, you mix. Yeah. You add that, you mix. And it was recently, about five years ago, that they finally got it to the point where it was a functional cell of pancreatic islet tissue. And so they transplanted it into this guy. Now, yeah. he has to take immunosuppressives because it comes from a different human being. It came, right. comes from his embryonic um, tissue, but he's cured. If any sense of the word cured, he's yeah. not taking insulin anymore. Right. He doesn't need it.
3: Wow. He
2: eats a bowl of Rocky Road or what's your favorite ice cream? Oh, I'm like a vanilla, vanilla fan. Yeah, yeah vanilla. Yeah. That's weird, isn't it? We both like vanilla. <laughs> mm, plain vanilla guys on the radio. But anyway, um, he ate the ice cream and his sugar stayed normal. So excellent. Uh, but I still say, I don't know if he's going to test it. You can create your own stem cells. You take your – talk about fat again. There are stem cells in your adipose tissue. Your body makes stem cells, has them. So I don't know if he's going to try to do this in the future. So, for example, instead of having to take immunosuppressors, couldn't you tailor this and take somebody's fat cells, isolate a stem cell, and then – do the same process or maybe a slightly different process yeah. with Dave, I am Dave Simso, and turn it into a pancreatic islet tissue. So I don't know. But there is going to be a um, big big issue on this because it's made from aborted embryos. Right. Yeah.
1: The You mentioned earlier about firefighters. Yeah. And you want to pose this as a question. Yeah. So
2: when you go into... A doctor's office yeah. and your blood pressure is very high. Yeah. There is a an issue that I've come across time and time again. Right. Is that the nurse pre- no the medical assistant takes your blood pressure with the machine and yes. records it as 180 over 110. And then 15 minutes later the doctor walks in and starts prescribing drugs. Yeah. Now I had a lady who came in who was passing out. And so they sent them to the passing out doctor, which is the cardiologist because you know, is it electrical problems that's yeah. causing you to pass out? And so her blood pressure on seven medications, and I'm not kidding. Wow. Seven medication was 140 over 90. And she sat in the office for <laughs> 15 minutes. She's she's a lucky one, she only sat there for 15 minutes. 140 over 90 on seven meds. That seems high. And so she was talking to me, and I, I said, when do you pass out? I said, mm, about noon. And I said, what happens? Well, you know, uh, if I have lunch, yeah. I feel good. I stand up, and I pass out. And so everybody thought it was my blood sugar. Everybody thought it was this. Everybody thought it was that. So I said, sit there for a second, okay? Let me grab mine. I have a manual cuff, two of them. Good for you. For the yeah. big people and the small people. And I, she was a small person, and I took her blood pressure. 70 over 40.
1: That seems kind of low. Uh,
2: yeah. <laughs> so why am I talking about the firefighters? They they did a study like, on firefighters. And when the alarm goes off yes. and they're getting ready to slide down the pole, yes. they would really quickly check their blood pressure. 180 over 110 was the average pressure – in this firehouse. Well,
1: that's high.
2: Right. Why? It's called right. fight. No, it's called flight
1: yeah.
2: from the firehouse yeah. to fight the, the fire. fire. You're right. And this is what I'm trying to tell you think of the firefighter. So when you go in the doctor's office, if your blood pressure's high and they come in and want to start prescribing pills, yep. insist yep. that they check it again. And insist. Let the doctor check it with a manual cuff. And the reason is, mm-hmm. with all the modern technology, I have found that my $2,000, and that's how much it cost, $2,000 automatic cuff can be wrong. And it can be wrong for a lot of reasons. It can be wrong because your artery <laughs> is in the wrong place on the inside of your arm. It yeah. could be wrong because the sensitivity of the machine... Yeah. Is not quite there for you. And I can't tell you. I would say it's extremely rare for mm-hmm. somebody who comes in with a high blood pressure for it not to be at least lower right. than what it was when they first came in. And I check it manually myself. A lot, of, a lot of people look at me, new patients especially, Yeah. say, what are you doing? I said, I'm checking your blood pressure. And you know what they'll say? Hmm. I've never had a doctor check my blood pressure himself in my entire life. Have you had one? Uh, yes, but uh, is it rare?
1: Oh, it's very rare. Yeah, I do and it on every patient. What you're talking about is in some cases white coat hypertension.
2: I call it the firefighters syndrome.
1: Right, you are you are in for, and you're thinking, yeah, you're in for it now. The doctor's going to tell you about your salt. Yeah, and you're sure he's going to he's going to yell at you about what you ate last yeah. week, and then he takes your blood pressure and it's too high. Right, we'll continue this conversation yes. in just a moment. I got some stories from my life. Coming Uh up next.
0: Heart Health Radio is for information purposes only. Before taking any action, consult your doctor. The following is a paid program, and the views expressed are those of the hosts and guests and do not reflect the opinions of WPTF or Curtis Media Group. Information provided is of a general nature. Listeners seeking specific advice should contact a licensed professional in the appropriate area. Welcome to Heart Health Radio with board-certified cardiologist and internal medicine specialist Dr. Franklin Weefall. Heart Health Radio, Heart Health Radio, oh oh oh, HeartHealthRadio.com, Heart Health Radio. Heart Health Radio is meant for information purposes only. Before taking any action, talk to your doctor.
1: This is Heart Health Radio. Our telephone number is nine one nine. Eight six zero nine seven eight three. Call right now. You'll be on the radio as soon as you. Really, before you know it, ASAP. ASAP. We're going to talk about uh, this uh, omicron variant, how concerned the doctor is, but we're not going to dwell on it because you. you we don't know.
2: Right? We don't know, and it's it's important to keep up because the question is going to become. Uh, yes, it's transmissible. Number two, number one question will be, is it here?
4: Right.
2: They got two cases in the UK mm-hmm. already. Yeah. Uh, we'll see. Uh, and then the question is, does it make you sick, uh, really sick to go to the hospital, and does it kill you? And we don't know any of those issues right. yet. Not yet.
1: And we can't judge necessarily from the South African experience.
2: Well, the, the with- South African experience hasn't even been... Uh, Publicized because there really isn't enough to know. Um, I I guess you're going to hear, you know, um, blimey. Do they say that
3: in South Africa?
4: No.
2: Oh, okay. Whatever they say in South Africa would be the first person died of uh, Omicron. We haven't heard that yet, right? Right. Have Uh, you? I haven't heard it. I haven't heard it. And I, listen, I'm constantly on the phone searching for medical news. So please don't panic. Just keep your ears. Is it pinned to the rail? What do they say? I can't remember all these phrases. You can't remember idioms. Uh, Is it ears to the ground? Ear to
1: the ground. And you know why that was? Why?
2: Uh, In the old west, if you were going (laughs) to get run down by a bunch of people on horses, you would put your ear to the ground to listen for hoofbeats. You know what else we used to say in medical school? What's that? Sometimes when you hear hoofbeats, it's horses, not zebras. <laughs> yes. What does that mean? We would always want to come up with the most unusual diagnoses so that we would look good. Yeah. You know, yeah. and put your ears to the ground and listen for the hoofbeats of Omicron.
1: Right. Well, well, we'll keep an eye on it. And you can listen to this show uh, consistently and, and know that we'll keep, keep track of things.
2: Yeah. Unfortunately, it's just once a week.
1: We were talking about white coat hypertension. Yeah, uh-huh. I want to bring up something that we you and I didn't talk about. And we, right. we talked about my meeting with my doctor. Okay. And I noticed that the first time I went to my mm-hmm. specialist, my kidney guy, yeah. nephrologist, uh-huh. he checked my blood pressure. It was high. Well, I'm trying to figure out what's wrong with my body. Yeah. Okay. So I had... White coat hypertension. I was concerned. Well, you know, the next time I went, they checked my blood pressure. And it was fine. Yeah. But the first time I went, it was high. Yeah. And the fact that he noticed it on the first try, he keeps talking about my blood pressure as if it's
2: yeah. a, a, a uh,
1: problem.
2: He's going to keep on it. Yeah.
1: Right. When it was just a little too high. Yeah. For that
2: day. Now, let me, let me also say one thing. People who have white coat hypertension yeah. need to develop a way to control that. Yeah. And you can. It's called the vagus nerve. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the vagus nerve calms you down. Uh, it's a nerve that runs, you know, from your brain down yeah. through your neck into your chest. And when you do certain maneuvers uh, that you can learn how to do to calm yourself down, uh, it will lower your blood pressure. So what's the best vagal maneuver, Dave? I
3: have no idea. Yes, you do. I have talked.
2: You obviously. I've
1: never heard of the vagal maneuver. It's in one
2: headset and out the other. It does, yes. It's called the deep breathing technique. Oh, okay. All right, yeah. So so you take a big, deep breath. And often, if you (laughs) can't, don't do this driving. No, no, no. Close your eyes. Yeah. Okay? Because the stimulus of what's coming in through your eyeballs can overexcite you as well. So you close your eyes. You take a really big, deep breath. Yeah. This is slow, not hyperventilate now. Yeah. This is big, slow, deep breath. No, 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 no. You did it wrong. I did it wrong? Hold it in. Hold it in. Okay, Go ahead, sorry. Dan. Hold it in. Hold it in. And breathe out slowly. All right? And you do that five or six times in a row. Now, the other thing that you can do. I see spots. <laughs> <laughs> I held my breath too long. Yeah. You want to hold it and then let it go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The other thing, you can do it with your mind. Okay. You can, um, one of the th- techniques is you close your eyes again, yes. not while driving. Yes. Uh, and imagine a stop sign. Okay. Really? Stop. And you keep telling yourself, stop. Yes. Now, what's wrong with um, white coat hypertension or firefighters syndrome yeah. is that it can hurt you, if, especially if you're one of those people who gets excited and, right. uh, or anxious. Anxiety can kill you. And the reason is it can constrict your arteries. It can raise the levels of adrenaline, raise your blood pressure and hurt you. Now, I'm not talking about going out and getting Xanax. I'm talking about, you know, getting on the Internet. And you don't have to necessarily go to a doctor and say maneuvers you can do at home safely to help calm yourself down. And they work. I use them all the time. Yeah. yeah, I look at you, and I see stop, sorry. <laughs> I,
1: I, I can understand why yeah. they would do that. Yeah. Stop! Bill in Raleigh, welcome to the program. How you doing, Bill?
7: I'm um, doing much better now. Good. Um, got some questions for the doctor. Uh, you know, I'm a regular listener. Yeah, college, thank you. And uh, five years ago, I had uh, open-heart surgery, replaced valve, and then this October, I just had a little stroke, and went to Wake mad, and they... Put me on Glavix and Libitor and Aspirin and uh, also taking COVID, Uh um, Uh huh. Yeah. For, uh, beta Beta block. Um, now, um, I've been to my primary care physician. Uh, I go from med or uh, labs uh, the 1st of December and talk to the doctor on the 6th. I'm on a uh, AFib monitor right now, and Great. I'll be on that until uh, approximately December 9th.
4: Mm-hmm.
7: Um, the doc- I saw my cardiologist just recently. Um, he wants to do a TEE. Great. I'm wondering, what is it? Uh, you know, I've already had two TEEs done. Oh, you've had two? Yes. Uh, I had it in 2014 at Drex. Uh, UNC Rex and I've had it just prior to my um, heart operation. Sure. And now he wants to do a, another TEE, and they called me up to make an appointment. Sure. But um, I, I, I'm I'm trying to wait until the results of the of the monitor are back in mm-hmm. and the lab work is back sure. in before I decide about having a TEE.
4: Okay.
2: All right, let me, let, let me explain to some of the audience. A transesophageal echo is a TEE. The uh, one against your chest is transthoracic. That's a TTE. So a TE is a great test. One of the problems with an ultrasound can be that your ribs and the fat tissue can disperse the ultrasound that is being <clears throat> reflected back <clears throat> to make a picture through a computer of your heart actually beating. Mm-hmm. When you put it down your esophagus... People don't sometimes realize the esophagus sits right next to the heart. There's just a tiny amount of tissue between your esophagus and your heart. Therefore, the sound waves are really sharp. I mean, the the images of a TEE are spectacular. And one of the reasons they're doing this, there's two. One to look at his valve, and you get a really good picture of the valve. Is yours mechanical or a a cow? Is it a cow or a cow?
7: It's it's bovine. Bovine. That means cow. So um,
2: that means that it's made out of tissue, and you can get a really good picture of it. There's just a little bit of metal uh, that, you know, little struts that hold it together. The second reason, they want to, I'm sorry, go back. The valve could have a clot on it. It could have a little tiny bit of infection on it. And sometimes little hunks of calcium can come off, and when they do, they go up to the brain, and it can cause a stroke. What I have learned about people who have strokes is that the number one thing that's missing in the diagnosis is what um, he's talking about, which is atrial fibrillation. Mm -hmm. And so what they can find out with the transesophageal echo is, is there a clot in the left upper part? Now, sometimes they will take that off. It's called the left atrial appendage. So if you have surgery, Mm -hmm. they'll cut that left atrial appendage off so it can't cause a stroke. Did you ask them whether they did that to you, Phil? Did they do that?
7: With the cardiologist's visit, he said that there was a a blockage in the vessel up to the brain, in the vessel in the neck leading up to the brain, which shut off blood supply and caused damage in the left side of the brain.
4: Yeah.
2: Well, what that means is <clears throat> something came, they're worried about something coming out of the heart, mm-hmm. flicking out of the heart. The question I had, um, and this is a question you should ask your doctors, when you had your open heart surgery, did they do what's called a left atrial appendage ligation? The clots from AFib hide in this, in this little chamber, a little cave in the upper part of the left heart it's called the appendage. <clears throat> you know, the heart shape you know mm-hmm. the top of the heart that's because of the appendages mm-hmm. okay and so that's where the clots can live and what i tell all my patients is that when they have open heart surgery make sure the doctor clips that off because then the risk of a stroke is very small but if you have your left atrial appendage when they do the transesophageal echo they can see if there's a clot in there and bill when i used to do transesophageal echoes even in people who have no history of afib i i saw clots in there sometimes and you can, you can have a left atrium where the top part of the heart is supposed to pump to help the bottom part. It sometimes doesn't pump, and we don't know that. So here is – let me just tell you, Bill, what I think okay. is that I would go ahead and have the TranSoft Geo echo because they can look for those things even before the tests are done. And let me tell you something. Even if you wear a monitor for a month – you can miss the fact that you have AFib. Sometimes AFib will come in salvos. So you'll have a bunch of AFib episodes and then none for months, and then a bunch of AFib episodes and then none for weeks. And you can develop a clot during those brief salvos of AFib, and the clot doesn't dissolve. And then months later, it breaks off, goes to your brain, cuts off the blood flow, and causes a stroke. Sounds like you've got some tremendously smart doctors, um, real good guys, and if your doctor's recommending a trans echo for the reasons that I just said, find out about the valve that you can't find out any other way. Find out if there's a clot in the upper chamber of your heart on the left side. That will add to the diagnostic capability of your doctor and prevent another stroke um, because aspirin and Plavix don't work against AFib. Um, You'd have to go on what we call an anticoagulant, like warfarin or Pradaxa or Xarelto, which prevents the proteins from forming clots. The aspirin and uh, the Plavix just prevent the platelets uh, from forming too many clots. So to make a long story short, I would follow your doctor's recommendation and get the transesophageal echo to find out if the valve's okay without clots or without infection, without calcium, And then to find out if there's a clot lingering in the left upper chamber of your heart. To finish up on the uh, monitor is good, too. Because if you have AFib, I would go on a different anticoagulant or maybe an additional one. Um, Sounds like they're doing all the right things for you.
7: Thank you, doctor. I appreciate your Did that make sense? I know it was a long... Absolutely, Yeah. Yeah,
2: it was a long explanation. Uh, I tried to make it um, uh, understandable. But listen... Keep going with who you're with. They sound great.
1: Thank you, Bill. The telephone number here for uh, the Heart Health Radio Network, 919-860-9783. Phone lines are open now on Heart Health Radio.
0: Welcome to Heart Health with board-certified cardiologist and internal medicine specialist, Dr. Franklin Weefald. Call us with your health questions at 919-860-9783. This is Heart Health Radio, and we welcome Joyce
1: from Pine Level. Hi, Joyce.
5: Hello. How,
4: How are you there? doing?
1: What's going on? Hey.
5: Uh, well, I have a situation that I'm dealing with, and um, it's not about my heart. It's about something else. So,
2: well, we're something else, doctors, too. Yeah. <laughs> okay.
5: Well, I have had um, been having a urinary incontinence for. Um, several, well, three or four years now. And it's gotten to the point where I can hardly even leave the house. So I've seen a neurologist in Johnson County and and he didn't seem to do anything. So I went to um, one at Duke Raleigh
4: uh-huh.
5: and uh, they're going to do uh, the injections in my bladder, the Botox injection.
3: Yeah, yeah. And, I was
5: um,
2: about to ask you about that. Yeah, I wondered if that would
5: help and then also I've heard about this other thing called a I believe it's an inner slim where they could uh, put that device in you to help with this problem. So I didn't know if you knew about the success rate with those two things or not. Yeah. So just I wanted to check and see what you thought.
2: All right, we're going to get down to brass tacks and I this is uh, a doctor show. Hmm. So people are are expecting it. I want you to tell me exactly what happens. Okay, you sit down to pee. Does it come out, or is it? Does it like just not come out? And then also, oh, are you oh, sitting yeah. around and you pee on yourself?
5: It's both. Yeah. I, it, I, I go to the bathroom probably every thirty minutes. Yeah. To forty-five minutes. Okay. Twenty-four. Well, at night I do can go. Maybe an hour and a half when I'm asleep.
2: Then you got to pee. don't get
5: much sleep. Yeah.
2: Do you pee on yourself when you sleep?
5: No. I, I, I usually wake up.
2: Yeah. So your body I tells got you. to
5: the bed. Yeah. And got to the, the mode. Okay.
2: Is, and so when you're sitting there... Um, you know you got to pee. Like, if you're in the living room watching TV, you know there's pee coming, right? But sometimes you can't make it to the bathroom. Is that what happens? That's
3: happened? correct. Okay. That's
2: correct. Now, has the doctors used the term overactive bladder?
3: Oh, uh, yeah.
2: Okay. And then what medicines did they try you on? I'm sure they did, uh, right? My
3: best friend, Yep. My
5: best
2: is yeah.
5: the medicine. That so
2: that, they've happened. done everything right. Um, let me tell you, the Botox injection, I uh, had a patient I sent for that. And I think I know who the doctor is at Duke Raleigh. Great urologist.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Per- mm-hmm. Really good guy. It works a lot. Um, now, how does it work? Botox is botulism toxin. Yeah. So you remember botulism? That's when you get paralyzed by <laughs> eating bad soup. <laughs> okay. So botulism is a disorder where it goes through your whole body and this toxin uh, hits the nerves and you can't breathe and you get paralyzed remember lock jaw yeah yeah so it's lock jaw your jaw can't move I don't I don't it's a whole body I don't know why they yeah. focus on the jaw so they purified this stuff and a lot of ladies use it am I allowed to use that term ladies? no you're not okay. no, women. a lot of women yeah um, will uh, inject it have it injected to get rid of wrinkles and how does that work it It poisons the nerves that cause wrinkles in your forehead. So they use it now for migraines, too. Uh, They inject it in a ring around the back of your head to prevent some of the arteries from constricting. It's very complicated. Now, what they're going to do if they try this is they're going to go into your bladder, and they're going to find spots in the bladder, and they're going to inject them with Botox or botulism toxin so they can't constrict anymore. Okay? And so then your bladder, which is now spasming at inappropriate times, won't be able to spasm. And so you have to have it done by a really good urologist, right? Because you don't want to overdo it, and you don't want to underdo it. It's just like foreheads, mm-hmm. you know? Although everybody yes. overdoes the forehead, right? Yes. Yes. Ask them to raise their eyebrows next time they've been to the Botox doctor. I mean, and game, do it.
1: game show hosts, they all look yeah. like they're, you So, know.
2: so I think that... Your urologist is on the right track, and I would listen to him or her and give it a try because it, it you know, it can't hurt you as long as it's done by the right physician in the right way.
1: Does it wear off?
2: Yes, it'll wear off, and you have to have more of them done. That's okay. Um, it's, it's very difficult. Um, being incontinent is a tough thing to live with, isn't mm-hmm. it? I mean, it's tough. Yeah, it's hard to go anywhere,
5: um, especially I can't go
2: to any outdoors. Yeah, and, you know, it's embarrassing because it's one of those negative connotation things. Right. You know, you peed yourself. And well, how about
5: the inner slim? I,
2: I don't know a lot about that, um, and I think that is something. When I don't know something, I don't try to talk about it. Um, okay. I would listen to him or her, who your urologist is, about the best recommendation. Um, because, you know, and, and the thing about what the problem you have is that it is difficult to treat in any way, shape or form. And so if it works a little, um, then that's better than not working at all. But it must be so hard for you to live your life um, do you try to go out with a You go out with it. Depends on. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah, and don't be don't listen. Don't be ashamed of that. Don't think there's anything you know wrong with you in a, a social sense. I mean, you have a medical condition for God's sake. And for people who have to take you know a break and get diabetes shots, that's the same thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have a medical yep. condition. And, um, you know, everybody associates, you know, being potty trained and not having to wear diapers. You're just a baby, blah, 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 blah. (laughs) They don't know and they can't experience what this is like. So if someone's making fun of you, okay, tell them they got to drink a a gallon of fluid. That's right. And then try to hold it in.
1: On a nice windy day.
2: Yeah. I mean, you know.
5: I did have a urologist that said I had a very small blast.
2: Yeah, and that's another but problem. I've
5: had the same bladder all my life. So.
2: Well, it can shrink, believe it or not. Um, really? Yes. Did you have a lot of urinary tract infections previously? I don't know if you told me that.
5: Uh, yes, I have. Had yeah.
2: That can be associated with the development of an overactive bladder, and that's because the inflammation that your bladder experienced trying to fight off the bacteria can cause scar tissue. And that can shrink the bladder. And they think it also can make it hyperactive over time. Okay? Mm -hmm. So listen, I feel for you. And I want to know, call us back later after you've had some treatments, whatever you have. And let us know how it worked out. Okay, I sure
5: will. And
2: listen, there are all sorts of really good Depends out there on the market. Right. Really, it's advanced. um, And you can Google it. The best adult protective garment. Right. That is out there, because you need to go out there and live your life and not worry about what people think. Okay,
1: Joyce, thank you very much. Love you. All right, we're going to talk about aspirin. Some people say bad. Oh, some it's people just getting say good. so
2: bad now. Aspirin's good. Aspirin's bad. Aspirin's medium. <laughs>
1: Vitamin Ugh. D. Should I automatically take some? We'll mm. talk about that coming up. This is Heart Health Radio
0: now back to heart health have a question for dr we call 919-860-9783 this is heart health radio
1: and the heart health radio network aspirin good or bad
2: well now they're saying that if you take aspirin you can have a higher incidence of heart failure now that doesn't mean if you have heart failure to throw your aspirin away because you may need your aspirin to prevent heart attack yeah The problem I have with um, publicizing these studies is that they're not accurate. Um, By that, I mean they're not done in a scientific manner. Um, They haven't taken 10,000 people with heart failure that don't need aspirin and 10,000 people who have heart failure and don't need aspirin and give them the aspirin and see who lives or dies or gets worse. These are what they call retrospective analyses, uh, meta analyses, where they right. take all sorts of studies and combine them and then chug them through a statistical analysis computer and try yeah. to come up with an answer. Right. So, you know, remember about these researchers they have to publish or perish. Yes. And even more importantly, they have to study things that get them on TV. Because now it's not how many papers you publish in the journal of. Idiosyncratic uh, immunologic cardiovascular electricity. It's whether you got on um, Dr. Oz. Yeah. Because now to be head of cardiology at Duke, um, you have to have been on TV. Really? Why? Because they think that if they say, we have Dr. so and so now as our chief of cardiology, I saw that guy on TV. That must be a great place. I'll go there. (laughs) He, you he think, must, I'm, you he must think be I'm kidding. I do. It is the truth. Yeah. I always like to say that truth. It's the it's, truth. You go look at every single chief of cardiology yeah. or chief of medicine, and they've been on TV a lot. Really? Yes. Not because they were chief of medicine. No, no, no. They were the on way. TV and yeah. became chief of medicine. And uh, I think it's a bad trend. But listen it's all about the dollars now even with major medical institutions it's all about bringing patients in competing against unc competing against you know rex hospital we need more patients and in a sense um to me that's sad it's sad but true i don't blame them for doing it right right it's just sad about the internet culture um facebook instagram culture that we have you know they're I didn't even know this. There are very famous doctors now who have um, TikTok accounts. Yeah. And they're TikToking away.
1: That's what I want.
2: Yeah. I want the doctor with a good TikTok account. Yeah, absolutely what you want to know something? That's what? true. That's what people are saying. Really? They want to go to the TikTok doc.
1: Okay, let me tell you a story. I'm gonna to try to make it the shortest story I can because I've tried to tell this story to myself and I failed. It was like twenty minutes later I was I was fast asleep. Here's the, you know that I was scheduled for eye surgery Mm -hmm. and an anesthesiologist said, yeah, well, I need, I need your GP to write a note saying you're okay to go under anesthesia. That, they they called me from the eye doctor's place Mm -hmm. and said, the hospital has canceled this. Okay. All right. You know that there's about five appointments you got to make now in order to get an operation.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: You got to do blood work. You got to meet with the anesthesiologist. You got to do this. You got to do that. You got to take a negative COVID test. Five appointments. Do you know they're still calling me about missed yeah. appointments? They're t- reminding yeah. me about appointments that I'm supposed to have for an operation that was canceled a month ago. This, I think, is a big deal. Yeah. If your hospital can't keep that straight, mm. I'm not happy with them.
2: Okay. Here's the problem that people assume. Okay. So, for example, uh, I had a patient who was supposed to get a CT scan. Yeah. And it was never scheduled. Mm. Okay. Now, why? I don't know. Yeah. But remember, the doctors and the hospital administrators and, you know, your doctor, there's compartmentalized responsibilities. Mm -hmm. And so I don't blame my staff ever because I'm responsible. Okay, right? Okay. I'm responsible for everything that comes out of that office and I have to train my staff and I'm responsible for my staff to make sure that gets done. But nobody's perfect, okay? Yeah. So what happens is there are scheduling departments in your hospital in the hospital you were going to. Sure. And they're under the gun, right? Why? I guess. Why are they under the gun? Money. Because a missed surgery that's been scheduled right. costs the hospital $10,000 or more sure. or less. But sure. thousands. So they're under the gun to have a completion rate. And what does that mean? It means the completion of surgeries that were scheduled. No-shows are no-no's. So they're, they've got a yeah. systematic approach where if they take and say, you know, on the computer, this one was never scheduled. It's right. going to come back up. Right. And one person sitting at the line of, of computers may not have been the one that tried to schedule you in the beginning. So they have a redundancy. Now, the redundancy is redundant. I mean, yeah. you're going to get called and called and called. But understand and have sympathy for those people who are calling you. Yes. Because they are under the gun. Yeah. And they will get I'm reprimanded if there are too many no-shows. So they're going to have a system that is over-redundant. And they may be calling you a couple times. I will say this, okay, about this your story. Yeah. I don't care what your creatinine is if you're having eye surgery. Yeah. Okay?
3: Yeah.
2: Um, why are anesthesiologists canceling surgeries so frequently now when they didn't used to? You know why? No. Who are the two types of doctors who get sued the most?
1: Anesthesiologists. Number
2: one is anesthesiologists. Really? Number one. And why is that? You you meet your anesthesiologist for, what, 30 seconds? That's
1: exactly right, yes. You
2: don't know that person. That's right. You know your doctor. Uh, I'm sorry, back up. You know your surgeon. I do. You know that doctor. And when there's communication... There is um, a much lower chance of a lawsuit. Right. Okay. But if something goes wrong at surgery and you see a bill from Dr. Schwartz oh, uh, yeah. and, or Dr. Jones yeah. or Dr. Weefall, oh. you are going to be incensed if something had gone wrong. Sure. And so, you know, you may think, oh, well, <laughs> you get sued. You know, so what? It's a pain. It's scary. Yeah. It, it, it takes away from your life. You're afraid you're going to lose your life savings. Well, that's unrealistic. Right. That goes through your head. And you're paying malpractice insurance. So more than likely, it's not going to come out of your own pocket. But the anesthesiologists are worried as all get out. Now, who are the second ones who get sued the most? I don't know. Radiologists. Really? You never see a radiologist. Have you ever met a radiologist? No. No. You will meet a radiologist if you have to have an invasive procedure. Um, but you're not going to – it's going to be a name on a on a chest x-ray. Right. And you get cancer. And the first thing that comes into these lawyers' minds, let's look at these x-rays from five years ago.
1: Ah, uh, yes. Okay.
2: Oh, yep. my gosh. There's a little spot there. You missed it. You're responsible. Okay doesn't matter if the person smoked
4: right, and, right, right
2: you know it doesn't matter whether the person you know didn't go to the doctor for five years it matters that that doctor missed it and we're going to tap into his deep pockets so radiologists are constantly concerned look at your next radiology report yeah you know, is it- mammograms oh my god this the the report says negative okay right. and then there's a disclaimer on the bottom that is three paragraphs saying that not all cancers can be detected by mammography, you need to come back. And you know what else they do? What? They have on their computer, they have, call this person and have them come back. Now, you may think that is because they uh, care about you, and they do, Yeah. but because they want to be able to say they followed up, and you got breast cancer, it's not my fault. So blame the the lawyers, okay? Yeah, okay? And I forgot, another reason yeah. is suppose that they didn't call you back and you never got your surgery rescheduled and you went blind. Yeah. What would you do? You'd hire, uh, do we cheat and how? I would. And sue them because you never call me back for my surgery and now I'm blind. Instead of you calling them and saying, hey guys yeah. or gals, you never call me back. Can I reschedule my surgery? It's always somebody else's fault. But I will say this, okay, a lot of anesthesia, your eye surgery doesn't depend on your kidneys, buddy, okay? It just doesn't. And he's afraid of being sued. He's afraid of being sued, but he's afraid of the way
1: he described it to me or the way they described it is that they're afraid that the anesthesia will have a negative effect on my kidneys, which are already
2: stressed. And guess how rare that is.
1: One in a million.
2: Uh, uh, extremely. I'll just yeah. use that word. Extremely. Because I don't think they put you to sleep for eye surgery.
1: Oh, they do. Let me just explain oh, that they want my they want me not they want me out stone cold dead. They want me out. Huh. Because they're gonna well, maybe operate about on, all this. Operating on an I, eye.
2: Listen, I know people who get their eyeballs injected while they're awake, dude. Yeah. I'm me talking to me i've had my eyeballs injected okay. twice so what are they going to do? take your eyeball out and work on it and stick yeah they're going to do something
1: something like that huh. they're going to do what's laser the name of and, the surgery it's uh i don't know it has to do with uh blood vessel pulling my retina away i've got i've I got thought they
2: just used a laser and no 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 that i could on. have that in the I right, can have well, that. well i, take, in it the office. I you take, take it all back i take it all back okay good i listen one of the ways you can tell if you can trust somebody, right, right. is when they're wrong, they take it all back, yeah. and I take it all back. Maybe there is a, a worry about your kidney. I thought they were just going to like take little teeny weeny needles and stick it in your eyeball while you're awake.
1: Yeah, that was that that has already happened.
2: Uh, I'm not letting They've them gone, do They've gone. I'm sorry. I have a horrible fear yeah. of an eye of a needle in my eyeball. Really? Horrible. And really?
1: Here I, I'm very. Very macho
2: about it. No, I don't mind no, it at no, all. No, no, no. No, you can do anything you want to me. Yes, yes. But stay away with your needle from my eyeball. Okay.
1: Uh, I got. I can tell you this is what happened in the office. They got me lean back in the chair.
2: Oh no! They Listen, put I'm little about tiny. No, my they, blood pressure is going up. Dave. Exactly. It's they put a
1: little up. tiny. Uh, they put drops in, but then they put a little tiny piece of cotton into my eye socket to numb it. Right. Mm. And then he walked in with the needle, and where did he put the needle? Right above the eye, I'm having vision problems. So it's silhouetted, in mm. essentially in my eye. That was a bad day. Mm. All right, Bob in West Raleigh. How you doing, Bob?
7: Now, Dave. Yes. You, you know better than that. All right. <laughs>
1: Bob, what can we do for you, Bob?
7: Well, my question is, have either of you ever personally experienced, witnessed, or performed yeah. a bone marrow biopsy?
2: Yes, I have done plenty of them. I have With, not. Yeah. When I was a resident, we had to do it all the time. This is I'm going to tell you stories of what they let us do as residents.
1: Okay, you're going to do that after, after Bob's but explains I'm gonna tell you, no, why.
2: When anybody was anemic, even if you're just a little... Yeah. We didn't believe in serum iron levels. You, you We did. had to flip them over and stick this big needle okay, Bob, into their... Um, Bob,
1: are you going to have this ha- done?
7: Yes, and you're both welcome to join all the fun.
2: Oh, no, no. God. Let me tell you, it is not bad. It is not bad. They numb you up. Let me just, you Let just, me just t- tell you what the one thing. It's, it's, it's a weirdness experience, not a pain experience. Yeah. Yeah. It's a weirdness experience because they numb you up real good. But this core needle, C-O-R-E, goes into, and they do it in, they can do it in your sternum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They can do it in the hip bone, near the hip bone. I'm not going to, I can't remember the name of the bone. Really? (laughs) It's terrible. But when it goes in, it's kind of like a, okay? I can't explain it any other way. It, It just goes through the bone and then sits in the marrow. Yeah. And it's, it's, it, I had a biopsy of my uh, armpit, which yeah. is very similar. And, and it didn't hurt. It, 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 it's not a painful experience. The only way I can describe it is weird. And so I had to do this all the time. You know, we, as a resident at Johns Hopkins, we had to go in and do bone marrow. And uh, that's what we called him. I got another bone marrow. I got three bone marrows to do. All
1: right, I've got a. You follow will not
2: up. have a bad experience as we long as we need to you...
1: follow up with Bob. Bob, yeah. why are they doing this?
7: Uh, chronic fatigue.
2: Yeah. Okay. So, is your are your
7: macrocytosis?
2: Yeah. Okay. It's a mess. They want to look at the bone marrow to see if that's where red blood cells and white blood cells are produced in your right. bone marrow. They want to find out if there's something going wrong in the bone marrow. So this is a really important test. So there's two types of bone marrows. So there's the bone marrow aspiration, and then there's the bone marrow biopsy. And the biopsy is when they take uh, the solid stuff out. The aspiration is when they just put a hollow needle in and suck out a little bit of the fluid that's in there. Okay? But you are going to do fine. All, as long as you understand it's not painful. It's weird. It's a weird feeling of something being sucked out of your marrow. <laughs> I mean, that's the only way I can
4: explain it. Yeah,
2: it doesn't hurt. It, well, it doesn't, doesn't hurt. A
4: good person if it's weird.
2: Yeah, it's weird. Uh, and go in there not anticipating pain because they numb you up real good. And, and it after, sounds crazy. Post op. Yeah. Oh, it, nothing. Um, it won't hurt at all post op. Uh, it's the only time. Will and do you have good? You have good hearing. <laughs> Yeah, because oh, some people complain that the worst experience was <laughs> the crunch. <laughs> okay. Oh my gosh! And sometimes, if your hearing is very acute, you yes. will actually hear the. <laughs> okay, so you, you mean probably the penetration won't.
7: Penetration of the bone. Pardon? The crunch from the penetrating the bone.
2: Yeah, it's a crunch, Captain Crunch. Oh
7: my gosh! I'm glad Wait. you told me that
2: part. Yeah. So this is what you can experience. You're going to lay down. They almost never do it through the sternum anymore. Okay, they're gonna numb you up. They're gonna take time. They're gonna numb up the skin. Yeah. They're gonna numb up the tissue below the skin. They're gonna numb up the periosteum. That's the surrounding the bone. You will not feel pain. Then they will take this. Yeah, and long term marcaine sometimes, which is a long term lidocaine that'll last a while, and then they'll just go in there, and it'll. It's kind of a screwing motion. You know, and then they're gonna take some stuff out, and it's the weird feeling that will get you. And as long as you understand you're gonna experience something you've never experienced before, it's not gonna hurt. It's just gonna be a new weird feeling. Then you'll be okay. And Great. if your hearing is really, really good, <laughs> put some earplugs in. But no, go have at it. It's it's gonna be a good experience because it's gonna help your doctors figure out how to fix you up.
7: Great. You've been helpful.
2: Hey, have have a good experience. That is
1: the last thing I thought Bob Listen, would Listen, you talk
2: to me about needles and eyeballs. I know, I know. I can talk about needles and bones. Bob, okay?
1: take care. Hope you you're do. doing good. Check back with us.
2: One right. other thing. Let me, do we have two yeah, seconds? You do. Yeah, go ahead. One of the ways, if they, can't on, get an, if they can't get an IV in you, you know what they do in the AMTs? What? They take a big core needle and stick it in your leg. And why? Because you can give a ton of fluid in the bone marrow. Remember, it's liquid. Okay. Okay, the blood cells are being made, and they've got to get out of the bone. Yeah. And so that's one of the things you can do, and that makes a crunch, too.
1: Thanks for sharing.
2: Yeah. This is
1: Heart Health Radio and the Heart Health Radio Network. Well,
6: you know you make me want
4: to kick my heels up and down
1: Get better, stay healthy, and spot medical misinformation by listening to Heart Health Radio whenever you can. Erica in Raleigh, thank you very much for calling. We're
2: shouting her out.
1: Hi, Erica. Hi. What's up?
5: I was trying to find out what, what are some things I can do
1: at home when, when, when my vertigo is acting up. Things to do at home when your vertigo is acting up.
2: Okay. To calm that's, it
5: down.
2: Yeah, it's a tough thing um just turn your head makes you spin is that is that it or standing up yeah yeah unfortunately there's not a whole lot you can do let me let me just say this vertigo is a real serious problem there's a medicine that sometimes we use called meclizine
3: mm-hmm.
2: and you know take that and it can help reduce in some people the symptoms vertigo is when a little crystal inside the semicircular canal so those are three canals little loops that control the you know your brain's understanding of the position of your head and yeah. your body. Yeah, there's crystals inside, and as the fluid moves, it activates the crystals, which send the signal to your brain to tell you where you are.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: When a crystal breaks through, as you turn, it starts boom, 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 boom. You know, like dominoes hitting these other crystals, yeah. confusing your brain and not knowing what to do. To me, the best treatment has been physical therapy. Okay, they take and. And these are physical therapists trained to do it. And they move your head in rapid, you know, uh, movements to try to trap a crystal. Okay. Like whack-a-mole. Yeah. Trap a crystal. And then the crystal can't move and your vertigo is better. So in terms of at home, you know, things to do, um, I can only think of keeping still and taking a meclizine at home. Um, there are other medications that people use, sc- scopolamine. Have you ever seen those little patches? Yeah. Transderm scope works for some people. But my recommendation would be to go see an ear, nose, and throat physician, have a thorough evaluation, and then um, if they recommend, he or she recommends going to a physical therapist and having the head treatments to see if they can do. Now, I don't know this, but there may be on the Internet Home head movement treatments, but I don't know. I can't recommend yeah. them. Ear, nose, and throat, physical therapy, meclizine if possible if it works. And God bless you because it's terrible. Vert- have you ever had vertigo, no, it's terrible. I have never had it. But...
1: Erica, how? Uh, where are you in the process?
5: Have you well, been I'm taking meclizine.
2: Yeah. <laughs> have you been to ear, nose, and throat doctor? Yes. Yeah. yeah. And they, have they recommended physical therapy?
5: Yeah, they
1: have. No. Have you gone,
5: Erica? Yep, I, I went.
1: And what was the outcome?
5: Well, it's
2: not as bad as it was. Not as bad as it was. Yeah. Right. Well, you know what? It, it also helps to do it again. Because um, sometimes it works a little bit, and then they do it again, and it works a lot. So I, I feel for you. It's a terrible thing to have, and it interrupts your life. And it can come on at any moment. Yeah. And you just you can't predict it.
1: Yeah. Is, it, is it dizziness? Is it uh, confusion? The
2: way you can tell you have true vertigo yeah. is, in, in most people, the room is like spinning around you, okay? Yeah. So di- I, this is one of the things I say that come in for weakened dizzies. Yes. That's the term. Another doc- patient doctor we follow with the weakened dizzies, and if it's like a li- sense of lightheadedness and, and your head's not quite there in the clouds, or... Is the room spinning around that sensation, and that's true vertigo. We that's a term. True vertigo. True
1: vertigo. Okay. Yeah. Thanks. Thank you, Erica. Uh vitamin D. Should I just go ahead and buy some vitamin well, now D. Now they know. Okay. It's in Vita- the, yeah, vitamin it's in the popular D is very
2: process. important. Uh, bones and health and yeah. immunity. Turns out that it only helps you if it's low to begin with. Okay? So what does that mean? If your yeah. vitamin D level is normal. Yeah. You don't need to take it. You're getting it from your food.
1: Do we know what is
2: normal? Yeah. Uh, there's a lab test result. There's yeah. obviously a range. Yeah. And obviously, there's going to be an inter-individual variability. And by that, I mean what's good for somebody is too low for other people. Yeah. So check with your physician. Get a level drawn. I, you can't believe how many people are deficient. I mean, I'm telling you. And, and take it... and go on vitamin D. If you need to. You know, that else is a rampant thing I, I wasn't seeing before. What's that? B12 deficiency. Really? When you get routine blood tests by your physician, yes. insist on a vitamin D level and a B12 level.
1: Is there anything else? D vitamin and D
2: and B12. In and well, and, and men, I, I suggest, or I always order a testosterone. Testosterone. Oh, I, my listen.
1: testosterone is fine. No. Nah. Uh, you wouldn't
2: believe how many people have a low T. Yeah. And don't listen to the, to the um, people who tell you that if you take testosterone, you're going to have a heart attack or you take testosterone is going to cause um, a prostate cancer. If you don't have prostate cancer, it's safe to take testosterone right? And, and you need to, you know be wary of that to make sure you get an annual checkup for that and you know get your PSA levels. A single PSA level doesn't help you. It's whether it's rising, okay? P- What's PSA, prostate specific antigen. Oh. So get your B12, uh, get your hemoglobin A1C. Yeah, A1C. Tell you if you have long, you know, one single sugar is a snapshot. Right. And A1C right. is a movie. Yes. It tells you how your sugar's doing over time. Okay. Right. And gives you an average blood sugar. And then get uh, your vitamin D level, get your chemistry profile, because it'll tell you your sodium, potassium your sugar, it'll tell you your kidney function okay. and your liver function. All
1: right. right, I'm uh, And always I'm, get a CBC. CBC?
2: Blood count. You can't I, believe what I picked I up. You see
1: that on the commercials on, on
2: CBC, T- Canadian Broadcasting Company.
1: Canadian Broadcasting. That's yes. what they need to check? The CBC. They're checking for Canadian content. And
2: the BBC.
1: You know we're all out of time. No. Yes, we are. That, believe it or not, was Heart Health Radio. If you listen to all two hours... God bless you. I didn't even listen to all two hours. (laughs) Take care. Have a great week.
0: Heart Health Radio is for information purposes only. Before taking any action, consult your doctor.